Welcome to the Off the Beaten Track Halloween Special. Join us as we delve into the beastly guts of Halloween for half an hour of scare-filled, tortuous, harrowing stories from beyond the grave. In this episode, we'll be talking the history of Halloween, scary ghost stories, and exploring the world of unexplained phenomenon. Ooh, this graveyard's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I've got the right willies. Hang on. What's that banging noise? Oh, don't worry, that's me. I've got the lead caught in the gate. Hang on. Again? Well, hurry up, because Biffer have come to empty the bins. Oh, bitches! Right, it's Halloween, and Phil is here as ever. Phil, how are you? Absolutely terrified. Yeah? It's Halloween! Yeah. And I have to admit, I'm a little annoyed with myself. Yeah. After gate incident, gate gate. The microphone lead. With the microphone lead. We need a new microphone lead. Basically, I got a little tangled. The verger came with his shears. The jaws of life. And cut me out. Good. Okay. But this has resulted in the need for a new lead. A very low budget rescue. Mm. Lovely. How are you? Um, I'm all right. I'm uh, just got in actually. Uh, a bit tired. Been out... Dressed as a clown at Tesco Metro, scaring people. It's a new uh, new hobby I've taken up in the last few weeks. Oh, that was you? Was that was it? me, yeah, that was it. Yeah, okay. yeah, indeed. And now, while planning this episode, we were thinking of having a celebrity seance. We can't afford proper celebrities, so we thought, get in contact with the dead ones, it's free, mm. and we'll have a little bit of, we'll have, we'll have some star power. Stardust. To sprinkle on the podcast. We needed to get an ally on the other side. Who better than TV medium Derek Akora's spirit guide, Sam? Yes. We, uh, we tried to get in contact with him this afternoon on the Ouija board. No answer. We had a quick Ouija board, didn't we? Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't get a hold of him. Nothing. So he was either unavailable or is it... They, it I, th- I fear the signal was intermittent. <laughs> either way, unfortunately, Sam the line, won't, be, won't be joining the us. The line was blocked. Le- yeah. Um, let me tell you about the history of Halloween, Phil. You're probably thinking at this point, what's it all about? Where does it come from? Well, the origins of Halloween are hotly debated, but uh, it's typically linked to the Celtic festival of Samhain, which is Old Irish for summer's end. It marked the end of the harvest period and the beginning of winter, and was usually held on or around the 31st of October. From at least the 16th century, the festival included guising, which involved people going from house to house in costumes and singing or reciting verses in exchange for food a la trick or treat uh-huh okay the word halloween is derived from all hallows eve the evening before all hallows day also known as all saints day which is a christian feast day following mass scottish and irish immigration to north america in the mid 19th century halloween slowly became popular in mainstream society by the early 20th century it was being celebrated all across america in ireland and scotland the turnip was traditionally carved during Halloween, but immigrants to North America instead used the pumpkin, a different vegetable altogether. Well, actually, let me stop you there, because the pumpkin is a fruit, oh. not a vegetable. Of course. Yeah. Have we got time for a quick game of uh, fruit or vegetable? Of course. Roll the music. 
and welcome to Frilto Vegetable. Okay, Philip Perrin, I'm going to read a list of common flora. I simply want you to say fruit, vegetable, or other after each. Do you understand? Yes. Okay. Your 20 seconds starts now. Apple. Fruit. Tomato. Fruit. Rhubarb. Uh, leaf. Uh, vegetable. Okra. Ladies' fingers. Sweet fruit. corn. Uh, so we got other. Peanut. Fruit. Uh, other. Cucumber. Uh, yes, please, tuna mayonnaise. With a little, uh, just a little sprinkle of the black pepper. Well, uh, I can tell you, Philip Perrin, you've answered a total of three questions correctly, giving you three pounds. Oh. And uh, which is the chosen charity to which you'll be donating your, uh, your, your winnings today? Well, Ross, this is a wonderful charity close to my heart. It's called Blind Dogs for the Guides. It's a wonderful <laughs> organisation, uniting blind Labradors with members of the Guild Guides Association. Wonderful. Mm. Anyway, let's get back to Halloween. We've looked up a few... It's Halloween. Time for a few ghost stories. Trick-or-treating, apple bobbing, toffee apples. So we've looked up some famous ghosts throughout history. Mm-hmm. Plenty to, uh, to choose from. To, to give you a bit of a fright. Yeah. Possibly one of the most famous. We'll start off with a um, with a heavy hitter. Uh, Anne Boleyn. Anne, the ghost of Anne Boleyn. Okay. The, yep. ghost of, the ghost of Henry VIII's beheaded ex-wife is said to, unlike most spectres... Uh, Haunt not one, but a number of locations. See, she appears in a lot of places. Yes. She's what I like to call an omni-ghost. Bolin's ghost regularly haunts the Tower of London, where she was executed, Eva Castle, her childhood home, as well as Windsor Castle, uh, Rochford Hall and Blickling Hall. Very busy busy ghost. Mm -hmm. Triple booked. Up Up and down the motorway. At Blickling Hall, Norfolk, Anna is said to arrive clutching her severed head in a phantom carriage, pulled by a headless horses and led by a headless coachman. After she arrives, the coach and horses disappear, leaving Anne's ghost to wander the grounds until dawn. This happens uh, every year on the 19th of May, apparently. It's the anniversary of her execution. Doesn't say what she does after the horse and coach leaves. Wait, that's interesting. I've heard of the ghost with no head, mm. even the headless horseman. Horses with no head. head headless horses. Uh, how? What does that look like? I mean, a, a, prop, you, a prop left over for the Godfather. <laughs> yeah, I think that, 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 that was mean, a um, that was a racehorse. I think actually in Godfather Three, doesn't someone wake up in a bed with the severed heads of six horses, a coachman, and Anne Boleyn? Fairly sure that happens. I'm not. I, I can't remember the third one. No, no one can. What? No, I wonder if Henry VIII ever turned up as a ghost. Does he? Is he ever? Ghostly apparitions? I've not heard of it. No. Even even on our uh, on our research, I've not heard of that. No. Perhaps he's got better things to do. I tell you why he hasn't appeared as a ghost. He's too busy marrying up there. Constantly marrying in the afterlife. If you if you average it out, if he was when he was alive, mm-hmm. he had a wife every five point six years. I've done the math. Yeah. <laughs> so if he kept pace with that, he'd be on his eighty third. Wow. Wife. Is that what, that's your? Uh, uh, that, that's your thesis, is it? Uh, I'm yeah. more than happy to do a thesis on it. He's fine. He's gathering quite a collection. What it's called the 77 Ghost Wives of Henry VIII. I was reading recently about Henry VIII that he had a high pitched voice. Really? really? A contemporary remarks that his uh, daughter Mary, Mary Tudor, had a voice more manlike for a woman than he for a man. Oh, 
Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, Henry here. It's Henry. I'm hungry. Where's my banquets? Eat, drink, and be merry. Everyone, do you want to hear green sleeves? I'm bored of you now. <laughs> Cut off their head. Where's the King of France? I want a vessel. You want a what, sorry? A vessel. A, a, a vessel. A vessel. Okay, got it. Yes, okay. At the field of the cloth of gold. Where's the King of France? <laughs> I demand the vessel. That's not very intimidating, is it? No one no. lost. Let me tell you, Ross, mm. about another famous ghost. Oh, yes. Scratching Fanny. What? The ghost of Cock Lane. The Cock Lane ghost was a purported haunting of a small three-storey house in Cock Lane, London, which attracted mass public attention in 1762. The house was owned by Richard Parsons, who claimed to have contacted the ghost of Fanny Lines, the deceased ex-wife of one of Mr. Parsons' former lodgers, William Kent. Okay. To contact the ghost, Parsons held a series of seances, during which Fanny made angry scratching noises... Scratching Fanny. Yes. And knocked on the walls to answer questions. During the seances, the ghost of Fanny apparently claimed that instead of dying of smallpox, she had actually been poisoned by her husband, Mr. Kent. Okay, so a a ghostly murder. Murder hunt ensued. A A ghostly ghostly murder murder hunt hunt ensued. The ghost, hang on, the ghost claimed that she'd been killed. By her, her husband instead of dying of natural causes. Smallpox. Wow. Indeed. How did they get onto that topic in a seance? It's not the first question I'd ask. Oh, I would. This ghost has obviously got something to say. If every, if every ghost came back, the place would be flooded. If they've bothered to make the trip back, they've clearly got something to tell us. Anyway, following mass publicity from the press, a number of notable people came to Cock Lane to witness the seances for themselves, including Prince Edward the younger brother of George III, and Horace Walpole, son of Robert Walpole, the first Prime Minister. Ah. Finally, a commission, whose members included Dr Samuel Johnson, no less. Oh, the uh, dictionary man. The dictionary man. Uncovered the haunting as a hoax. I see. Perpetrated by the 12-year-old daughter of Richard Parsons, under duress from her father. It also emerged that Parsons was known to be a drunk. Oh. And had fallen out with Mr Kent over... Money. Parsons was pilloried and sentenced to two years in prison. The Cock Lane fiasco was also a focus of contemporary religious friction between Orthodox Anglicans and Methodists. In the 18th century, Methodism had created a populist version of Christianity. People actually got excited going to church. They enjoyed the experience. Right? Had, okay. had fun. Yeah. It even entertained the idea of spiritualism and contact with the other side, which for Orthodox Anglicans was reminiscent of the, the Catholics. Catholic superstition. Right. <laughs> Popish nonsense and all that kind of... Oh, poor old Frances Lines. Mm. She, um, she's forever gone down in history's scratching fanny. Mm. Poor woman. And she died mm. of smallpox. Or did she? <laughs> yeah, I think they established that she did. Yeah, she did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's, the th- here's the last one. Yeah, how's this one for a famous ghost? Abraham Lincoln. Wow, now that is a big hit. Famous, not just famous, famous and prolific. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's apparition has appeared to many, usually in the White House, which he has apparently been haunting since his death in 1865. It's often said that his footsteps can be heard outside the Lincoln bedroom. And he's also been heard rapping on the bedroom door, says here. I think that's rapping as in knocking, not like um, vanilla ice. (laughs) 
During one of the most famous incidents, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands heard footsteps outside the White, White House bedroom door and apparently heard a knock. Knock at the door. Opening the door, she was confronted by Abraham Lincoln. There he standing, was. Standing in a frock coat and top hat, she promptly fainted. I don't blame her. Oh my gosh. E- Abe, it's so nice to see you. Oh. Honest, honest Abe, yes. Would you like some bacon? Oh, that's Denmark. Back of the hand on the forehead. Yeah. Oh. She wasn't the only famous witness to Mr. Lincoln. Okay. How about this? This person going to bring to the dock. Only Prime Minister Sir Winston Spencer Churchill. Wow. This, this proves it isn't rubbish. Whilst relaxing one evening in the bath, enjoying a whiskey and a cigar, he climbed out and walked into the adjoining bedroom. All, all normal so far. Yeah. Apart from not wearing a robe, but anyway. Yeah. He was surprised to see Abraham Lincoln standing there, leaning against a mantle. Churchill quipped, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. To which Lincoln apparently smiled softly, as if laughing, and disappeared. Incredible. How much scotch had Churchill drunk? It doesn't say. Lincoln has also been seen in the White House by... Theodore Roosevelt, Maureen Reagan and her husband, and Franklin D. Roosevelt's personal valet. That chap ran screaming from the White House after he claimed he'd seen him. Straight onto the lawn. He seems like quite a cheeky ghost, doesn't he? Hey, Brad. Well, menacing. Obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed with the White House. Mm. Badgering the presidents in the Oval Office. Yeah, leave it out, Lincoln. I'm trying to save a turkey for Thanksgiving here. And every time you rock up here, it's freezing cold as well. You always get the ghostly chill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stop tapping on my shoulder. Stop making the room cold. I've got some administrative chores. No, you can't have the nuclear codes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yes. It's well that he doesn't move on. If you if you had a choice of ghosts to contact, uh-huh. fam- famous historic ghosts as we've covered, okay, yeah. who would you go for? Have you got any favourites? Let's come up with a list of five between us. Okay. People you'd contact. I'd, uh, I'd go with Oliver Cromwell. Okay. Seriously. Oh, God. I fell off the couch. Seriously, I'm not joking. I'd like to contact Oliver Cromwell. Uh-huh. Find out what, how, what his brain... How his brain ticked. And what made him, you know, a very interesting character. Uh-huh. I'd also ask him why he banned Christmas. One of his crimes. <laughs> the worst. The worst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was not the worst of his crimes. Uh, yeah. And uh, also, um, <laughs> here's another one for you, Phil. Okay. Paul, the psychic octopus. Of uh, World Cup 2010 fame. Oh, yes. Now departed. I'd uh, get some tips for an accumulator. <laughs> yeah. Boudica. Now, if you got in, in touch with Boudica... One. That's a good one. Ask her, how do you pronounce her name? Yeah. But I've you heard... say Boudica, I say Bodicea. I've heard Boudica as well. Boudica? Boudica, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, this definitely needs clearing up. <laughs> exactly. Can we get a hold of her? Doctor Who? Line? Okay. Doctor Who? Fictional, but okay. I'd ask... <laughs> it, specifically, uh, Sylvester McCoy's Doctor Who. Right. And ask him where the franchise went for 15 years. <laughs> How about this one? Sam Allardyce's career. <laughs> it might be revived. It might be revived. They're performing CPR on it as we speak. Allardyce's career. He could be back. England man- be back. Ex-England manager. I don't think he's coming back. It's a, this sounds like a new version of... That's what we've come up with then. We've, Oliver an, Cromwell. An, 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 a German octopus. Mm-hmm. Oliver Cromwell. Sam Allardyce's career. Yeah. And what was the other one? Doctor Who. Doctor Who. <laughs> the Doctor Who franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds... If this was a new version of um, uh, 
Desert Island Discs, but you had to live with five people. Okay, yeah. Rather than listen to the songs. That's good. That's a good good concept, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We'll let Kirsty Young present it, but we want the uh, copyright. Well, do you know I'd, I'd have? Um, I know he's not dead, but I'd bring Ray Miz. Priority boarding first on the boat. Oh, if you're on the island, definitely because yeah. you know you're gonna have a, you'll survive. You know you'll survive well. It's not like you know Bear Grylls, uh-huh. where he just this extreme survive. If you if you brought Bear Grylls along, you'd be having a miserable time. Yeah. Raymond's twenty minutes on the beach. You'd be sipping cocktails out of a, a coconut. A half. coconut yeah. husk. Yeah. Yeah. Bear Grylls. I I think Bear Grylls would be fun for about an hour. And then you'd end up just having to... You'd probably end up sacrificing him <laughs> to a new god and then eating him. But at least you'd eat one. <laughs> right. But there's more meat on Ray Mears, isn't there? A bit bigger. Yeah. I've already descended into cannibalism. Yeah, I've I noticed that's a very quick... An hour's gone and you're already yeah. eating bear, you're eating bear grills after an hour. Yeah. Okay. Life's not fair. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd, <laughs> okay. go, I'd go Capability Brown. Oh, okay. The landscape uh, architect. Yes, the, the landscape gardener. I don't know. I'm not sure about his survival skills, but you'd have a lovely plot. So you're going to get Capability Brown to put in a ha-ha <laughs> on, on your plot. So you want to... You'd, if, if you had a boat of five people, one mm-hmm. of them would be a garden designer. Yeah. Okay. So we, we've got something nice to look at. And this is all well and good having endless sand. And we sort of pine for sand, don't we? Sand and blue sky. Yeah. That will get boring very quickly. Right, okay. Very well, quickly. Presumably you bring a builder, would you? Tommy well, Walsh, knock up a shack. Walsh is a good shout. Yeah. Definitely. Who's the guy who won Big Brother? Handy Andy. Although he'll turn up and I can't work without MDF. Now that we've divulged all of our uh, broadcast ideas. <laughs> yeah. For the final section of this Halloween special, we're going to take you on a journey to one of the most eerie locations in history. The Paris Catacombs. Ooh. Welcome to 18th century Paris. The 30th of May 1780, to be precise. We're walking down a road next to the Holy Innocent Cemetery, a cemetery so full with the city's dead that the earth bulges and the smell of the recently interred stalks the streets. But we're about to enter the house of Jean-Jacques and Edith, who live next to the cemetery. I think we might have a drop of rain there, Ross. Let's go inside. Bonjour, Jean-Jacques. We're standing in a typical 18th century Parisian home. Jean-Jacques! There's a hearth in the corner, and a pla- I don't think you can hear you, and a platter of award-winning meats and cheeses on the kitchen table, as well as a bottle of 1778 Chateau Neuf. Wonderful year. Better than the 76. Too many raspberry high notes for my liking. Oh, Jean-Jacques has just popped down to the basement. I think he's looking for something. Edith, who a black and decker jewel pull up mirror? In the dank basement, Jean-Jacques rummages around. What's that, he thinks? His hands run over an unfamiliar surface. Zutalor! It's a human skull! Zutalor! Un skull de humain! Standing back, Jean-Jacques can see the skull is protruding through a small crack in the basement wall. The wooden beams above him begin to creak. He can hear the sound of water seeping through the walls, accompanied by a foul smell of rotting flesh. Suddenly the wall buckles and bursts. 
flooding the basement with a wave of half-decomposed bodies, stinky bones and guts. Yeah. Merde. Mon basement is full de cadaver. That was the summer of 1780. Turns out John Jack's house was next to a vastly oversubscribed cemetery, and that deluge was the final straw, causing the cemetery and all its contents to spill into poor John Jack's basement. Fast forward eight years and we're standing in the disused mines of Paris. It's midnight, and a procession of the city's officials, led by priests, are carrying boxes of bones. It's the remains of six million Parisians, moved here from the city's overflowing cemeteries, making the Paris catacombs the largest underground ossuary in the world. And what's this? Jean-Jacques, our unlucky hero, has stopped by to visit the catacombs. Ah bonjour Jean-Jacques! Oh, don't go down there Jean-Jacques, there's a strange blue mist circling around you. Ah yes, that'll be the malevolent blue mist of the catacombs, often spotted in ossuaries around the world. Its origins unknown. And on that, we never saw Jean-Jacques again. All we found was his black and decker hand drill. Now, in the last episode of Off the Beaten Track, we were joined by a new member of the team, Yamaha PSR190. You may remember him. He's back with us now. Say hello. He's here despite, I have to say, some unpleasant feedback. He's not let it knock his confidence, though, so he's going to play us out. Hang on a... Great fun. Hang on a second, Phil. The keyboard's not plugged in. What? Hang on. How's he talking to us, Ross? Oh, it's got cold in here, isn't it? Yeah. I've got dragon's breath. What What could be going on? Oh, I know what's happened, Phil. Derek Akora's spirit guide Sam has got stuck in the keyboard during our Ouija board session earlier. Oh, you are joking, Ross. I never joke about the spirit world. Sam, is that you in there? Play C-sharp for yes and E for no. Which one's that, Ross? I don't know. Hang on, I've heard of this before. This, a similar incident, happened to Rick Waitman in the mid-70s. Did it? He got the ghost of Vladimir Lenin stuck in his keyboard for nine days. Couldn't shift him. In the end, they coaxed him out, I think, with a, uh, a signed copy of Das Kapital and a Victoria Sponge. It, it, no one knows which one made him come out. How can we get Spirit Guide Sam out of the keyboard, Ross? Don't worry, Phil. I'm miles ahead of you. I'm just finishing off this lucrative TV contract with UK TV Living. He'll be out in a jiffy. Yep, there he Coffee goes. goes. That's yeah, incredible. That's done it. I'm quite, I'm quite pleased with that. It's worked really well. The only downside is look at poor old Yamaha PSR 190. It looks, he looks exhausted, doesn't he? Yeah. I don't think he's going to be able to play us out now. In fact, no, actually he's getting... Oh, he's gone. He's gone for a lie down. Right, so that's about all we have time for in this special edition of Off the Beaten Track. Actually, I've, uh, I've got to get going. Oh, yeah. due, I'm due back down Tesco Metro. Oh, it's the, this recording session interrupting my plans, frankly. When I, when I do my haunting, when I do my scaring, I like to make a day of it, or at least a night in the morning. Well, on that, on that terrifying note, it's time to end the episode. Don't forget to look us up on Facebook and Twitter using our handle at GWSpod, and we'll see you next time on Off the Beaten Track. Bye. Bye. Ooh. Thank you.